Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends, some very exciting news. I've got a new book coming out. It comes out in March, but copies are available now or very soon. It's called From the Left, A Life in the Crossfire. And just like it sounds, it's my story. All about uh, growing up in a small town in Delaware, how I ended up on national television from that little start, which took me through the seminary, studying for the priesthood, to California, working for Jerry Brown, doing TV in L.A., coming back to Washington for CNN for Crossfire in the Spin Room on MSNBC with Pat Buchanan. It's been a great run, a lot of fun, met a lot of great people, had a lot of interesting experiences, and I wanted to share it all with you, tell that story. And we do here, Bill Press from the left, Copies available right now. You can order a signed copy. If you go to our website, BillPressShow.com, with a 40% discount, the book will cost you only $16.79, BillPressShow.com. And the first 100 of you who order uh, from the left will also get a free signed copy of one of my earlier six books. You know, to sum it all up, uh, the great Henry Miller once said, So whether the world is going to pieces or not, Whether you are on the side of the angels or the devil himself, take life for what it is. Have fun, spread joy, and confusion. I've tried to do that all of my life. This is the story of it. Bill Press from the left. Get your copy today. Go to BillPressShow.com. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It has happened yet again. School shooting number 18 already this year. 17 dead in Parkland, Florida. Why? Why? How many more times before we finally do something about the easy access to assault weapons in this country. How many time, more times does it have to happen before we protect our children, take care of our children, for God's sakes? Hello, everybody. What do you say? Here we are yet again uh, in the aftermath of another school shooting on this Thursday of February 15, and we're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., uh, trying to keep on top of all the news of the day. Uh, yes, what happened in Florida and the unbelievably coward response on the part of leading Florida politicians, starting with the governor and with Senator Marco Rubio. Um, and you hear them talk and you know that there are just going to be more and more of these school shootings because they'll never do anything about it. Meanwhile, the, there are Democrats and Republicans, a group of them in the Senate, who said they've got a deal on an immigration bill. Uh, the question is, 
Can they get 60 votes to get it through the Senate? And would President Trump sign it? Unlikely. And would it do anything to protect the Dreamers? Unlikely. And the White House still reeling uh, with confusion over the Rob Porter scandal. They just can't get it straight. Uh, And reportedly this morning, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has told John Kelly, Chief of Staff, and White House Counsel Don McGahn, you get the hell here in the briefing and you explain it because I can't do it anymore. Uh, It just doesn't add up. Wow. With all of that, we've got a lot to cover here. Um, We'll jump right into it with your help and with your uh, participation. So send us your comments on Twitter on all the news of the day at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Let's take a look at the Olympics, Bill. Oh, yes. Last night was another big night for America. Michaela Schifrin, she won in the giant slalom. Now, she, last Olympics, she sort of infamously said, I want to get five gold medals in 2018 in Pyeongchang. Well, she started out last night getting her very first one of this Olympics. Now, this was supposed to happen, not last night, but the night before, but because of the wind and all that, they had to postpone it. So she won in the giant slalom. This now puts America's gold medal count at five for this Olympics. We are tied with Norway and the Netherlands with five. Germany still leading in that count with eight gold medals. So, in case you were wondering, for the overall medal count for the United States, five gold medals, one silver, two bronze. That puts our total at eight. How much longer are the Olympics? Uh, they go until like the 23rd or really? 26th oh. or something oh. like that. So, oh. so we still got yeah. some more time, which frankly I'm, I'm here for. I can't get oh, enough. Yeah. I cannot yeah. get enough of the Olympics. Uh, we talk a lot about sanctuary cities. You hear a lot of talk about sanctuary cities. Uh, Berkeley City Council yesterday announced that they are going to be a sanctuary city of a different kind. I was going to say, I know they're already a they sanctuary city. They were already city. a sanctuary yeah. city, but they said that they are going to be a sanctuary city for <laughs> recreational marijuana. <laughs> it is the first, they're the first city to do this in the country. Their mayor, Jesse Araguen, said uh, that no department, agency, commission, officer, or employee shall use any city funds or resources to assist in the enforcement of federal drug laws related to cannabis. So if you want to smoke weed in Berkeley, you'll be fine. They're not going to mess with you. They are they are calling themselves, again, a sanctuary city for marijuana. Uh, breaking news. <laughs> Go ahead. This will not be the first time that someone has smoked weed in Berkeley, California. <laughs> yeah, this will be the first time that someone on air right now has smoked weed in Berkeley, California, right? Uh but this is interesting, right? Like, you see people coming out in front on sanctuary city issues. This is a different way yeah, to go about yeah. it. Yeah, All for it. Yeah. We'll find out what Jeff Sessions thinks about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it helped him to smoke some weed. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. Right. Your kid taken off for school today. Will he or she be safe at school? Now we know the answer to that. No. Not until we do something about our insane, insane lack of uh, strong protections and strong gun laws in this country. 
Hello, everybody. What do you say? It is a Thursday, February 15. Uh, we hate to start this way again, but there it is. In Parkland, Florida, this time, uh, the 18th school shooting of this young year. We're only 43 days into it, and we yet we face this slaughter, senseless slaughter, yet once again with 17 great kids girls and boys in the bloom of their life shot down and killed yesterday. 17 homes in Parkland, Florida, where kids left school yesterday morning, said goodbye to the mom and dad, never to see them again. How sad, how cruel, how senseless, and how totally unnecessary. It's good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Good news or bad news, we've got to gather together. That's what we do and get through it here Uh, On today's Bill Press Show, we are uh, joining you online, of course, on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, as always. And again, don't forget to sign up. That's very, very important when you go there. Register so you're a regular member of The Bill Press team. We're uh, great, uh, happy to join you also on Free Speech TV, Uh, looking at that little screen all across this great land of ours, Free Speech TV, part of the DirecTV network. And on the radio, the great WCPT out in the Chicago area. Pardon me, and Indiana talks all through the state of uh, Indiana. And we look forward to hearing from you. As always, you're part of the show, so let us know you're part of the show uh, by sending us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Aswin Subsang, political reporter for the Daily Beast, uh, one of our uh, favorite guests, good friend, will be here in studio with us a little bit later this morning. Uh, as will Congressman John Yarmuth from uh, Kentucky. Uh, by the way, he has battled. It was very good to have him in today. Uh, he just happened to be scheduled today, but it's very appropriate. He has battled the NRA his in, out of Kentucky his entire career uh, and yet been elected and reelected and reelected, which just proves that if you have any balls, you can take on the NRA and still win elections in this country. Some people don't believe that. It's just nonsense. Uh, And then Nikki Schwab covers the Congress for uh, the Daily Mail, the Daily Mail, uh, which is the uh, news outlet that busted Rob Porter and started this whole White House scandal. So we'll uh, we'll hear a lot uh, from Nikki Schwab about that. If we go back, so let's start with this uh, this tragic, tragic scene uh, yesterday down in uh, Parkland, Florida, uh, as one kid said, and we know, you know, the the facts of the case, this was a 19-year-old uh, former student who'd been expelled from that school, um, had apparently a lot of mental problems and discipline problems, and yet was able to amass an entire arsenal, of course, well, hell, in Florida, anywhere in the country. It's easy. So he's an AR-15. He's got multiple magazines. He's got smoke bombs. He's wearing a gas mask. Shows he's got this whole thing planned out. Shows up at the school, opens up fire outside, uh, killed three people outside the school. Uh, walked in, killed thir- uh, twelve more inside the school. Pulled the fire alarm, so had this all planned. Pulled the fire alarm so the kids would run out of their classes, and he they'd be easy sitting ducks for him. Uh, that's fifteen, and two more died uh, after they'd been taken. Uh, to the hospital. He himself was apprehended uh, about an hour later in nearby Carl Springs, uh, Florida. Nicholas, uh, one of the students there, 
uh, talking about it just, you know, again, that since they'd had a fire alarm earlier in the day, the students were confused because now the fire alarm goes off again. Uh, Nicholas saying, didn't seem real. When I heard it, oh, my God, my heart dropped. We, us students, we didn't think that was, this was real. We didn't think this would ever happen. And then after that, we just had to run. Yep, just had to run. Scott Israel is the sheriff of Broward County uh, talking about uh, what he saw inside that school. In the uh, Well, first of all, he tells about the, uh, about the shooter, Nick Cruz. He's 19 years old. Uh, he was born in 1998 in September. He was a former student of Douglas High School. Uh, he got expelled for disciplinary reasons. I don't know the specifics. And then uh, the sheriff describing what he saw inside the school. I did go through the crime scene. I would not even begin to describe it on air. It, it was graphic. It was horrific. Um, and we are doing everything we can to feverishly identify who is each student. Rosemary Jensen is the mother of one of the students who survived uh, showing up at the scene yesterday. Uh, she asks what I believe is the right question. I just don't know how, how many times does this have to happen before we have a conversation about the underlying causes of why, A, kids feel or anyone feels the need to do this, or why they have such easy access to weapons. Why? Why exactly? And you keep coming back to it, it, we're 43 days into 2018, 18 school shootings already uh, in, in this country. It is uh, an epidemic. And I think the answer, the answer to uh, Rosemary Jensen's question, how many time, more times does it have to happen before we take any action? The answer is it's going to happen over and over and over again. Because of idiots like this, idiots like Rick Scott, the governor of Florida, not, not, they're more than idiots, they're cowards, total cowards, uh, and politicians for sale to the gun manufacturers and the NRA. And that's all the NRA is. We've talked about that. I mean, they are just the front. They're the lobby for the gun manufacturers today. But as long as you have, as long as you have politicians like the governor of Florida and the senior senator from Florida, Marco Rubio, we're going to have more and more of these, more and more kids sacrificed in the name of the NRA. Here is Rick Scott yesterday. I mean, oh, God, this makes me so angry. Hear him. We're going to continue to figure out how we how we learn from this uh, to uh, hopefully try to make sure this doesn't happen again. How we learn from this? Yeah. You know what, idiot? We learn from this by throwing people like you out of office and not electing cowards like you. How we learn from this is to get the GD guns, assault weapons, out of the hands, out of the hand, out of the gun shops, out of anybody's ability to buy them. I mean, how many times do we have to say there is zero need, zero zero need for anybody, other than law enforcement or the military, to have those weapons? That's what they are. They are weapons of war. They should not be in the hands of any anybody else other than law enforcement and and the military. And yet you can this kid this kid walked in and passed a background check and was able to buy an AR fifteen and multiple magazines. Why? All right, so a couple of things. Igor Volsky, our friend Igor Volsky, who just hosted yeah. the show, uh, he was he tweets about these school shootings a lot. Does a great job, yeah. Uh, and I hate to give him a lot of credit for it because it's just something that 
like I wish he didn't have to do, but he does it uh, whenever we have a mass shooting here in America. But he pointed out Sandy Hook shooting, they used an AR-15. The Orlando nightclub shooting used an AR-15. Mm-hmm. The Las Vegas shooting, which happened in October of last year, used an AR-15. The shooting at the Texas... Yeah, Las Vegas. We already forget all about yeah, that. Biggest that, mass shooting in American history. Yeah, yeah, well, no big yeah, deal. yeah no big right. Deal. Mm-hmm. Nothing uh, done. Nothing! The shooting in Texas at the church, AR-15. The shooting yesterday, AR-15. So, look, you hear a lot of people talk about the right to have guns and access no. to guns and all that. And, wh- and like... I'm so tired of those. Whatever. Right? A-holes. Like, if you, if you want to try and use the argument that you think that you're entitled to have a handgun or a rifle to hunt with, whatever. But I think we should all get to a point where we should just agree, assault rifles, you shouldn't have them. No, you shouldn't and remember, have them. remember, and, we banned assault ri- rifles at one... we did. In this country, we did for eight years. Yeah, they Congress could only do it, of course, temporarily. Yeah, it had expired. It expired under George W. Bush in nineteen ninety four. No, two thousand four. He didn't renew it. The ban, of course. And by the way, neither did Barack Obama. Yeah, eight years did not renew the ban on assault rifles. So we have done this, and you know the argument. The Second Amendment allows uh, uh, ownership of guns. Well, we do, we ban uh, private ownership of machine guns. So yeah. they already accept the fact that some guns you should not have. Yeah. Assault weapons people should not have. At any rate, that's that's uh, uh, Rick Scott, the governor of uh, of of Florida, who who. And then let's go to the a senior senator from Florida, Marco Rubio. Talk about uh, the guy who makes zero sense at all. And by the way. Again, our friend Igor Volsky has pointed out, Marco Rubio, who has received $3.3 million from the NRA uh, during the, and 90,000 of that during the 2516 election alone. Here's Marco Rubio. What's he saying? What what should we do? Nothing. What do you do about it? I mean, whatever it is we do has to prevent it. And uh, as I've always said, if there's something out there that we can do, whether it's a law or a program or both, of course we're going to be open to that, but it's got to work. It can't just be something that makes us feel good. Well, how about background checks, a-hole, right? Or how about, again, banning assault weapons, right? I mean, how about registering these guns? I mean, it's it just it saying the idea that there's nothing we can do. I mean, come on, Marco Rubio. The fact is he's for sale. He's for sale to the gun lobby, and, and the, 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 the figures show it. They all are. They all are. Uh, Rob Portman from Ohio, three point one million from the NRA. This is again from uh, Igor's uh, what he put out yesterday. Marco Rubio, I mentioned, three point three million. Um, Mitch McConnell gets an A plus rating from the NRA, uh, and here is Mitch, what Mitch McConnell had to say yesterday. I'm deeply saddened by the horrific violence in Florida praying for the victims, their families, and the parkland community. I am so sick of this. Thoughts and prayers. Paul Ryan, you watch. Today he is going to call the House in session for thoughts and prayers for the victims. Moment of silence. And And I would hope the Democrats don't even show up for that because he's such a hypocrite. He, He made, by the way, the Speaker of the House, zero comment yesterday about what happened in Parkland, Florida. And then Mr. McConnell, yeah, we're sending him our thoughts and prayers. They don't need your thoughts and prayers. They need your action.
coward. So on the, what on they the need. on the Marco Rubio, uh, a lot of these senators that are still in that are in office now, they had a chance to do something about this in 2013. You've seen a lot of people yep. say, "Yeah, uh, this is the worst uh, school shooting since Sandy Hook," which, by the way, was a little over five years ago, mm-hmm. which is not that long ago. Yeah. Okay, so we're just, it's, it's, December 2012, yeah. and what you're talking about is in 2013. Yes, they had the Safe Communities, Safe Schools Act, right? That would keep assault weapons uh, out of the hands of, again, mil- except for the military and law enforcement. And your point. Marco Rubio voted against that. Of course he voted against it. He voted against yeah. that. So did Rand Paul. So did Orrin Hatch. Uh, so did, I'm sure. I don't have all the votes. I'm sure the people that the senator I'm from sure Texas Mitch McConnell did. did. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's... So that they just talk out of both sides of the mouth. The fact is, again, they are for sale. They are owned, lock, sorry to use the phrase, lock, stock, and barrel by the gun manufacturer's lobby, otherwise known as the what used to be a sportsman's association, the National Rifle Association. On the NRA, like, I, I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over again when we have these situations, right? But... These politicians are bought and paid for by the NRA. At some point, they have to face consequences for it. And I think that we've seen something interesting in the recent Me Too movement, right, with all of these Democratic politicians that got money from Harvey Weinstein and all these Republican politicians that got money from Steve Wynn, and they're sort of having to go out there and make a statement, I will give my money back. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will give my money back that Steve Wynn raised for me, or uh, that Harvey Weinstein raised for me. And at what point are Democrats going to look at Republicans and say, "When are you going to give that money back that you got from the NRA?" Uh, I will uh, publicly. I'll write a column praising the first <laughs> Republican. Yeah. That stands up today and says, I'm giving my money back to the NRA. The money that the NRA gave me, I am giving it back to the NRA because I cannot put up with this any longer. I, 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 I'm, come on, let's go. Let's go. Right? Uh, I'll bet you there's not one Republican. Uh, there won't be one. There won't be one there who will do one. that, no. But, you know, it really comes down to, look, history, I, I, history is not going to look kindly at us, folks, because we are a nation of cowards. We are a nation that doesn't care about our children. We are a nation that does not protect our children. Uh, we let them, we just let, and and by the way, we're, we got to the point where this is, think about this, school, many schools today, and this school was one of them, they have drills, they, you know, they're fire drills, right? I used to have fire drills. Now they have drills about school shootings, teaching kids how to hide in closets, what to do? Teaching kids about kids about locking the doors and hiding behind closed doors. Can you imagine just having to do that? And it's not for nothing. It's happening, and it could happen in any school anywhere in this country today, and it will happen again and again. And we tolerate it. You know, we had the the, the uh, uh, Lisa um, forget her last name from um, Media Matters in yesterday. Uh, she was great talking about climate change, making the point that. Yeah, we can do something about it, and that is everybody who's up for re-election, up for election, or running for office, whether it's for school board or city council or state legislature or Congress or Senate, ask them where they stand on climate change, and if they do they believe in it? Are they going to do something about it? It's that important. Well, this, and I remember yesterday saying to her that we should do that. We should also do it, in my opinion, about guns. Little did I know it would happen later today, but this makes the point all the more reason. 
I mean, we should, you should, we should all, we should all make that a test of anybody we vote for. And I don't care whether they're Democrat or Republican. If they say they are not for a ban on assault weapons, vote against them. Vote them out of office. Uh, just for starters, and background check, vote them out of office, right? We, I mean, we need people in there with a backbone to stand up to the gun lobby. Here's one particularly depressing uh, uh, tidbit from this story. You remember during the Sandy Hook shooting, the line that was sort of came out of that that Republicans grabbed onto and still continue to use is, the only thing that could stop a bad oh. guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Mm-hmm. There were police officers at the school stationed at the school, at Ar- the school. armed police officers yes, at stationed the at the school at the time of this shooting. Yeah. So there were a couple of good guys with guns there, and they couldn't stop. No, a bad you guy. can't be at every door in every school in every classroom. I mean, it's in, it's insane. And they just you keep know, trying to find more and more dumb ways to combat this, right? Like there are people yeah. who are actually saying, "Oh, we need to give just, teachers firearms. We yeah, need to give, yeah, have right. good guys with guns stationed there." But that that didn't stop anybody. No, no, no. just like, do the there's right. A, there's a very simple solution here. <laughs> just do the right thing. Um, yeah, I was thinking this morning. We we uh, um, talk about like. The Aztecs, right? We talk about these primitive peoples. I mean, they were so primitive. They sacrificed a virgin, like, right on a mountaintop, like a young girl. They would go up there and actually kill a girl. How, what horrible people they were. Yeah. Well, we're sacrificing our kids. I think they are better than we are because they were at least sac- making that sacrifice in the name of some god that they believed in. We're making that sacrifice in the name of dollars from the NRA. That's all that we're worshiping, dollars from the NRA. Yeah, take that, Marco Rubio. I can't call him what I'd like to call him on the air. Yeah, okay. All right. There okay. are FCC rules in place. Uh, there are some other things going on in the news. Donald Trump, uh, over a week later, he finally talked about uh, domestic violence uh, yesterday. Uh, he finally had something to say about it. And, of course, you know what he came out with, and he condemned Rob Porter, and he praised his ex-wives for speaking out, and he said Donald Trump, that they were telling the truth and Rob Porter was lying and Donald Trump is sorry that he didn't defend them before this, uh, but he doesn't like domestic violence. Uh, is that exactly? Well, that's not quite that's, that what he said. It doesn't sound like him. Mm, yeah, no. no. I am totally opposed to domestic violence of any kind. Everyone knows that. Oh, Thank you. You didn't know that already? Oh, yeah. Everybody knows that. So why should I say it? In fact, he said it doesn't even have to be said. It didn't even have to be said. Oh, yes, it did. Oh, yes, it did. And notice in that statement, and that was it, right? He did not mention the the women who accused Rob Porter, uh, his ex-wives and her girlfriend. He did not mention them. He did not defend them. He did not express any empathy with them. No. He just said... In generically, domestic violence of any kind. Of course, I'm opposed to it, but everybody knows that. Yeah. It just shows that the White House, again, and we've talked about this every day, they are reeling from this. They cannot get it straight. Even Mikey Pence yesterday, even Mikey Pence had to say, yeah, we kind of screwed this one up. This administration has no tolerance Mm -hmm. for domestic violence. Nor should any American. Mm. 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 As I said, and as the White House has said, uh, I, 
I think the White House could have handled this better. <laughs> yeah, the White House has said one deputy press secretary said that last week and got in trouble for saying it. Right. What was going to happen to Mike Pence? Uh, what it was gonna, exactly? Yeah, because Donald Trump doesn't like anybody saying that they don't do everything perfectly. Uh, but again, there's more and more, more and more focus now on the, uh, the White House counsel, Don McGahn, who was the first to be told by the FBI, we not be, may, they might, may not be able to give a security clearance to your guy, Rob Porter, because um, we've been told by two of his ex-wives that he beat the hell out of them uh, and he would not qualify for security clearance with that background. And 13 months later, Don McCann had still done nothing about it. And we know also uh, that uh, General Kelly knew, and and uh, at, uh, both McGahn and Kelly knew, that in March of 2017, this is a timeline, March of 2017, they got the initial report from the FBI saying no way, no clearance for Rob Porter. In July, they got the final, last July, the final report from the FBI, no way, no clearance for Rob Porter. Still did nothing. They asked for a little more uh, look into it. They got that back in November. Uh, it was done. It was closed. The answer was no, no, no. And they kept Rob Porter on the job handling the most, the top security, the highest security documents anywhere in government, handling those every day and handing them to the president of the United States. They kept him in that job for 13 months with no security clearance, even though they knew why he didn't get it. He didn't get it because he'd been accused of domestic violence. So um, Don McGahn, John Kelly, totally inexcusable, and they've been lying, and Sarah, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, probably because they told her lies, has been telling lies to the, uh, to the, to the press corps about what the timeline was that they didn't know until last week in the Daily Mail's article about Rob Porter. Yes, they did know about it, and John Kelly knew about it. To the point it's got now that Politico reports this morning that Sarah Huckabee Sanders has uh, told John Kelly and Don McGahn, hey, I'm tired of defending you guys. you you got to come out to the briefing room and defend yourselves and explain your, and, and tell your own story and your own timeline about what you knew and when you knew it and why did you didn't act sooner. I want to see that. Um, and I'll believe that when I see it. I'll believe it, too. Yeah, right. But uh, meanwhile, she's been falling on her sword every day and has lost. I mean, if if, if the press corps had any confidence, any trust left in uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, they do no longer for sure. Um, by the way, um, stay tuned. Stormy Daniels, she said yesterday that uh, now that Michael Cohen— Donald Trump's attorney has said that he paid her $130,000 out of his own pocket, not Donald Trump, and that Donald Trump did not reimburse him for it, that he just did this as a favor to Donald Trump. Uh, Stormy, Stormy Daniels says, well, now that they have broken their confidentiality agreement by telling the world who paid her, if you believe it, by the way, which I don't for a second, uh, I don't believe it was not reimbursed. Um, but she says now that they've broken their confidentiality agreement, she can break hers, and she's going to tell her entire story about the great big fat affair that she had with Donald Trump a year after he married Melania. I love Stormy uh, Daniels. So I, I love I, her. You know what? 
Yeah. That's no. such, I mean, like, she's right. <laughs> a, a, like a non-disclosure agreement, the way that works both up, ways. it works both ways. Yeah. It works both ways. So they violated their agreement. She can violate hers, right? Uh, and, boy, I got to tell you, you know. Where, where's she going to do it? I mean, Stephen Colbert, Good Morning America. I mean, she could, any platform, 60 Minutes. What? Sure. Yeah. She could probably get paid for telling the story. She should. I don't know. Oh, uh, one on the point before we take a break here. I want to go back to uh, uh, to uh, Rob Porter's lack of security clearance for just a second, because now we're moving into the next phase of this. CNN reported last night that there are, are you ready for this? Rob Porter was not alone. There are, as of November, okay, one year, one year into the administration, as of November, there are 100 people working in the White House with temporary security clearances. And in October, John Kelly had put out the rule, no more of these. We're not going to allow anybody else work with a temporary security clearance. Well, he made an exception for Rob Porter, we knew. Now we know he made an exception for 99 others. And those people without a security clearance include Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner, who's in charge of peace in the Middle East, traveling all over the Middle East, right, in and out of Saudi Arabia, meeting with all these foreign potentates, doesn't have a security clearance. There's a lot to— And why not, I wonder? Yeah. What's he got at his past? There's a lot to take away from this, I think. And I think a lot of people are sort of, oh, the Trump administration is nefarious and and they have some – and, like, I'm not sure that that's it. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But I I do think that we can look at this and just say, God, these guys are just terrible at governing. They're just terrible. I mean, they couldn't run – they couldn't I, run, a, you know, like a printing office, right? Like they couldn't I run any office in America. I keep saying they couldn't run a 7-Eleven on the corner. They couldn't run a freaking 7-Eleven. No, 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 they do not. Well, look, Republicans on the Hill don't know how to govern, but com- compared to the White House, they're masters, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, this is total amateur hour. Uh, and nobody watches it more closely uh, with all of his great sources down at the White House than our good friend Aswin Subsang from the Daily Beast uh, He's here standing by to join us on this Thursday, February 15, uh, the Bill Press Show. Quick break. Right back. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. How about it? Thursday, February 15, a day after Valentine's Day. Hope you had a uh, good one. Uh, Not a good one for... 17 high school students in Parkland, Florida. At any rate, we are here with the news of the day, all of it uh, happening in Florida, happening here in Washington, around the rest of the country, and with all of you and your comments on Twitter, uh, at BP Show. Uh, And by the way, big question, did you order your copy yet of From the Left, Life in the Crossfire? If not, why not? Do it today. Take advantage of this great opportunity. So um, for those of you who haven't heard, this is my new book. comes out next month. Um, but advanced copy, you can order your advanced co- order your copy in advance, we should say, and you'll get it a signed copy as soon as the books are available for a great price of 40% off, sixteen seventy nine. dollars So this is just um, the story. Look, I've had a great run. Wanted to tell you all about it. Lots of great stories in here. Bernie Sanders has a blurb on the front. I love his blurb. He says, this is the tale of an engaged and often 
outraged citizen who loves his country and wants to see it move forward in a progressive direction. Uh, I couldn't have described myself better. Thank you, uh, Bernie. Uh, a lot of great stories in here. By the way, one of my favorites, one of the, one of the uh, most exciting and fun things that I, I, I did is, and I'll tell you all the story here about how I, when I was uh, thinking of running for the Senate in California, actually I was a candidate for the Senate then, dropped out later, I uh, went down to Nicaragua and negotiated with the government of Nicaragua, the leaders of Nicaraguan government, to release an American from prison. And I, James Denby was his name. He'd been shot down over Nicaragua. Uh, he was in a Nicaragua prison. I went down there, um, met with the leaders, the Sandinistas, leading Sandinistas, and convinced them to let me bring him back to the United States, which I did. And um, and uh, James Denby and I came here to Washington and held a news conference opposing the war, uh, more funding for the Contras. And as a result of that, the United States Congress voted to end funding for the Contras. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I'll never forget that James Denby, when we were uh, in a Jeep racing to the airport in Managua, uh, he turned to me and he said, I thought Jesse Jackson was going to beat you to the punch. It's time I played Jesse Jackson and beat Jesse Jackson at his own game. Uh, that story and more here. From the left, life in the crossfire. Uh, it's all signed, out, ready for you. So order it today. Go, I'm sorry, go to our website to do it at BillPressShow.com. Follow the link, BillPressShow.com. Peter, what's up? Uh, we have a couple comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Lots of comments today, either outpouring of grief or situation in florida the school anger, shooting in florida. anger anger yeah. anger anger um, yes but especially anger patrick says the second amendment says that we have a right to bear arms not a right to own guns so why don't we outlaw all firearms and let people walk around with knives swords and maces uh on the donald on donald Trump's situation yeah, Cage- but you hear that by people say it's not the gun right it's a person yeah but if he walked into that school with a Butcher knife, right? Sure. Let's say. Sure. It's a different I'm story. I'm not recommending it. I'm not suggesting no, it's have, good, yeah, a good thing, but right. he would not have killed 17 people. I think that's correct. Uh, also uh, on Twitter, KG says, I think the Trump administration is doing well for a reality star and his grifter family. <laughs> well, that, that is true. <laughs> uh, and Joey Oliva says, the general, talking about John Kelly, the general's uniforms cover up a whole lot of ugly, and I don't mean physical appearance. Which Absolutely. I think is a very good point. He uh, can get away with a lot. It is. And, you know, we have this feeling that because they're a general, this, Donald Trump certainly believes this, because they're a general, they're wearing a military uniform, therefore they can do anything and yeah. they are masters at anything. Not true. Not true at all. In fact, it's worth pointing out again uh, that there's a, uh, in John Kelly's past, there's a uh, a very disturbing incident here, and that is in 2016, not that long ago, just before he became to, came to the White House, there was a Marine colonel uh, who had been accused of sexual assault against two female officers who worked under him. Uh, at his court-martial, John Kelly appeared as a character witness for the Marine colonel, describing him as a superb officer, even though, again, he was up on court-martial for sexually assaulting two female soldiers. So, 
it looks like John Kelly's got a blind eye on this issue of sexual assault and domestic violence for a long time. Uh, as we mentioned, nobody more up on the madness down at the White House than uh, our good friend from the Daily Beast, Aswin Subsang, who joins us in studio. Hello, Swin. It's nice to see you. Nice to see you too, Bill. Uh, good, good. Thank you for coming in. Um, you uh, So yesterday, uh, Donald Trump um, mm-hmm. uh, was finally, he finally spoke out about, um, and you know, you know what he said, basically said, I'm against all domestic violence, and everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. Yes, true. How much sympathy, how much empathy did he show toward these women? And you've been reporting about what he says in public may not be what he's saying in private. Correct. And uh, let's let's go with three main points here. First of all, um, he did finally, after a lot of declining to spe- speak out about it and just very simply put out a perfunctory on camera. He's surrounded by cameras all the yeah. time. Or so even a tweet about uh, the domestic violence allegations, just condemning it, boom, move on. Should be an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, but it was he, over a week. He, he stuttered and, um, and, and procrastinated on this for, like you said, over a week. And then finally he got out um, a couple of sentences which sounded more like whining about, Ugh, why, <laughs> why don't you guys just accept this and why are you bothering me about why it? Why do I have to say right. it? Right. And when he says stuff like uh, domestic violence of any kind, go away, what are you talking about? This kind of is the all lives matter presidency. So, you know, it, it fits. It's very on brand. Um, when he says he's against domestic violence of any kind, he has been accused, including in uh, court documents and divorce papers by one of his ex-wives, Ivana Trump, of uh, rape and pretty brutal domestic violence. Uh, these are allegations he has vehemently denied, but he has also been accused by numerous women, as your listeners probably all know, of uh, sexual assault and sexual harassment. Right. So um, – twenty. I think is the last count that I saw. It's it's a uh, large two-digit number. And um, the way that he, not just he, but John Kelly and uh, so uh, so much of the senior ranks of his White House have handled the Rob Porter scandal and the fallout of it, I don't think anybody except maybe John Kelly publicly, who knows if he actually believes this in his own heart or mind, the way it has been handled has been relentlessly shambolic. So um, uh, there's a lot of blame passing going around within the uh, top ranks of the West Wing right now. There's mm-hmm. a lot of backbiting. A lot of people feel that John Kelly hung them out to dry, don't they? Yes. And uh, senior officials in the White House uh, um, also feel like he's been lying about um, how exactly he responded and how quickly he responded internally uh, right after the Daily Mail story came out, and that um, the narrative that he and his allies, John Kelly and his allies, are now pushing about how swiftly he acted, not just the following day, but the night yeah, of which, these allegations, just does not fit with the public statements the White House was making in real time at the time. It doesn't fit what the Daily Beast and several other uh, publications covering the White House had been hearing from numerous White House officials in real time at the time. Something just doesn't add up. And it doesn't, Somebody's lying, doesn't and a lot add of people with, in the White House think it's John Kelly. It doesn't add up with what Christopher Wray told the Senate Intelligence Committee the Correct. other day. 
mm-hmm. with the timeline that, that belied everything that the White House has been saying about when they found out about this and when the FBI told them, this guy's not going to get a security clearance because boom, boom, boom. Uh, back to Trump's statements, he is yet, I mean, isn't he still in the I'll, be, I'll believe the men and never believe the women sort of you know, approach to, to these, to whether it's sexual assault or sexual um, harassment or domestic violence? That's uh, certainly how he has operated in, uh, in public. It's the rule book he, uh, it's a playbook About he himself ran. and anybody else, right? Uh, himself, Rob Porter, Roy Moore, even going back decades to Roger long before Ailes, he, Bill Roger O'Reilly. Ailes, Bill O'Reilly, long before he was a political figure, he did this with Mike Tyson. In fact, um, he told the press that he thought one way Mike Tyson could 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 pay his debt to society after the famous boxer was convicted of rape was to basically pay his way out of prison. Um, Donald Trump, and he was like viciously condemned at the time, as he should have been, for stating that perhaps Mike Tyson can give a large sum of money to anti-sexual assault organization or organizations and then get his get-out-of-jail-free card that way. Mm, Right. So... uh Politico reports this morning that Sarah Huckabee Sanders has gotten so um, flummoxed or frustrated by having, and she's not getting her story straight either. But she's 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 now is saying that Kelly and and Don McGahn, the White House Counsel, they have to. She can't handle it any longer. They've got to come out to the briefing room and tell their story and 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 do it directly to the. Uh, to the Whoa. to the media. Do you think that's going to happen? It's it's really hard to say. But whether or not uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders or the uh, senior White House press team is actually flummoxed or not, that is, I think, an incredibly fair point that people such as John Kelly, Don McGahn, Tom Hagen, Hope Hicks even, especially those four people, uh, need to come out and say who knew what when and get their side of the story out on the record. And even if, look, like, I think a lot of these guys have proven themselves to be, if not liars, routine obfuscators. And, but when it comes um, to something like this, for someone like John Kelly, who is being accused by his own colleagues, at least in conversations to reporters, or at least in private, of being a liar... He needs to get his story straight, and he needs to stop doing it through anonymous leaks to the press. Right. It so, needs to be done on the record, perhaps in the setting of a briefing. So, and you've been writing about this, too, and, and there's no doubt. I mean, there is now this this big question about whether, and you hear both sides, that whether John Kelly's job is in jeopardy. Um, some say that that's, in fact, the White House officially said, no, 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 it's not the case they're not talking about anybody, any new, any anybody to take his place. The president has total confidence in him. And on the other which hand, which is a lie. The president has been asking people privately. Well, that's what I was going to say. On the other hand, you hear about the president talking to people and not happy with Kelly's performance, mm-hmm. and as you've just uh, indicated here, and senior people, other senior senior staffers in the White House losing confidence in Kelly. So, would you say is his job in jeopardy, and will will he survive? What what is your take, based on people you talk to? I think um, 
this isn't uh, a comment we put in one of our articles recently from someone who works in the White House, but his name's Jack Kingston. He's a former Republican congressman. I know. He's a CNN contributor. Right. And he's a uh, prominent Trump surrogate. Yes. And he advised the president and the uh, and his campaign in 2016. Um, and he, we were talking to him about it just, you know, because we were taking the temperature of all kinds of people in and outside of the White House um, for the past eight or nine days or so. And... We just asked him, uh, as we were asking him about people like um, uh, Joe Hagan, Don McGahn, Hope Hicks, John Kelly, we asked him, do you think uh, John Kelly will be there in a month? And he simply said, yes, but it's not an overconfident yes. <laughs> so I, w- when he said that, I was like, that is actually the perfect way right now to describe yeah. – um, John Kelly's standing, potentially crumbling standing within Trump world. Will he be there in a week? Will be he? Will he be there in a month? We will he be there longer than that? I would honestly bet yes, but it is in no way an overconfident yes. Okay, you're going to take the Jack Kingston line. This one time, <laughs> just this once. <laughs> yeah, I would caution you not to take it more often than that. Well, you're uh, on TV with him a lot. I take uh, enough. <laughs> Enough. He's a trumper. You know, he, yeah, he 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 twists himself inside and out sometimes to be, mm-hmm. but but he but he but he but he ends up always uh, a trumper. Now, of course, um, we know that uh, this was the the case of Rob Porter uh, not being able to to get a um, permanent security clearance and operating on a temporary security clearance. That was um, just a one time thing, right? He was the only person in the White House. Uh, operating with a temporary security clearance all this time. Not well, quite the no, case, I mean, huh? Well, no, I mean, I think the um, issue is more pervasive than a lot of people, including in politics and the press, uh, knew until I'll this say, whole Rob Porter yeah. scandal broke right. last week. But uh, perhaps the most uh, senior or at least uh, name-recognizable uh, individual who this is an issue for We've known this since basically the beginning of the administration. And, Jared Jared Kushner. And you're talking about yes, Mr. Son in law. Yeah, right. Has, and daughter and daughter, Ivanka. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them have a <laughs> right. Why would Jared Kushner not be able to get a security permanent security clearance? What's well, holding I, him up? Oh, so it was domestic violence for Rob Porter. Mm-hmm. It's certainly not it's, it's, it's not, not that, that for Jared. It's not Kushner. that for Jared Kushner. Let's agree on that. So what is it? Do we know? Um, I, it, it's been a while since I've been reporting on uh, Jared Kushner's security clearance uh, stats because there's a lot of that that's unknown. It's a very complicated issue. I'm going to I, – I don't want to risk misinforming you. Okay. But, uh, I, I, but, but, but I appreciate I will, that. But, but I will say – It does raise a question why the man who's in charge of Middle Eastern peace, of reinventing the government, of prison reform – uh, one of the president's senior advisors. It, it is certainly and thirteen months into the administration, the FBI has not cleared him. There's got to be something in this background that says that for the FBI to say this guy's got some problems. It's glaringly unusual for a uh, senior White House official and close uh, confidant and family member of the president who has been d- deeply involved mm-hmm. over the past year plus in foreign and domestic policy and sensitive um, discussions and international relations and diplomacy as Jared Kushner has been 
do not have the full security clearance that he doesn't have. Right. Like, full stop. Yeah. Okay. So um, you've been following the White House for a while. This is now the second week Mm -hmm. that this scandal has engulfed the White House. How do they get out of it? From uh, people I've spoken to who work in the West Wing, they say very bluntly um, that, A, um, and they say this pretty much uniformly without exaggeration or hyperbole, that in terms of White House that is used to careening from scandal to scandal, crisis to crisis, for people who have worked there for uh, the entirety of the Trump administration, or at least the majority of it, um, they do not remember a time that was as chaotic or um, or or as bad as this is, except for perhaps the initial aftermath of Trump firing James Comey, and that says a lot. Yeah, that yeah, in, that in their minds and in their gut, that the Porter scandal and the fallout resulting from it is on par with that which happened in uh, May two thousand seventeen which is considered perhaps the most chaotic the Trump White House has ever gotten and 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 the the absolute craziest and the But um, I would but, argue but, looking back that Trump recovered from firing Comey or the White House recovered well, from Well they that. still haven't. Uh but they I think they I don't recall the Comey thing lasting for as long as this has. Well, Maybe it did, but... In, in a way, it still has, because if you didn't have oh, a Comey fire, true. you wouldn't have the true. Mueller That's probe. true. That's true. But in terms uh, of dealing with it every day and answering questions every day and changing the story every day, uh, that, was a, that was a tumultuous time for the White House. But th- I think this is as bad and maybe worse. Well, as you, uh, as you asked earlier, like, what do uh, uh, senior Trump aides... And uh, people in the administration think about uh, when are they going to get passes? Where is the light at the end of the tunnel? Honestly, when the next crisis (laughs) hits, like whenever the next big thing occurs that successfully nudges this out of the news cycle, that's when they get a reprieve from it. It's not when they actually get a reprieve. It's It's, when they get the next headache. Right. And with this administration, who knows what that will be? It could involve porn stars. It could involve neo-Nazis. It could involve both. Well, uh, it, <laughs> who it, knows? It Sky's might, the limit. By, the, by the, just one quick point there is one other thing that that makes this maybe more complicated mm-hmm. is that um, both the House and the Senate yesterday say they are going to open investigations into this matter at the White House and why as a, as they sh- as they should. I mean, but I they know... did not open. Well, they they had a hearing on Comey. They heard Comey, but I mean, this is so. This means if there are hearings in the House, right? This is going to continue. No matter how they try to put it, put it behind them. Well, it depends how long uh, the hearings last or how long the Republicans in the committee is allowed to last. But right. to your point, Republicans on Capitol Hill have abdicated a lot of very basic responsibilities when has come to the Trump presidency over the last year or so. But at least they feel that this is a big enough problem that they at least have to pretend uh, to open an investigation, mm-hmm. at least go through the motions. Right. And, and, and we'll see how much they put up. And don't shut up about this. Okay. So what's the um, latest and how soon are we going to hear from Stormy Daniels? She said yesterday mm-hmm. she feels now that she is free as a bird. She can tell her story since uh, Michael Cohen has said, yeah, I paid her $130,000. Well, uh, we'll see. In my um, bet, and I don't have any insider knowledge on this, but I, 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 I 
think it would be a wise business decision of hers uh, to sell her first big story to like a tabloid or a publication uh, that 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 buys scoops and yeah. has the money right. to buy stories and buy interviews and has no uh, ethical qualms about that. And also, I believe next month in March she'll be continuing her "Make America Horny Again" tour, and I believe <laughs> that will be taking her to Myrtle. You Beach. mean next month? Yeah. First uh, of all, first of all, we've got a problem because that was the name of your book tour, Bill. That's right. Make <laughs> America Horny Again. Yeah. Yes. All right. <laughs> and the uh, from uh, the left, funny. <laughs> A uh, funny footnote from my reporting note, notebook from last month about this whole Michael Cohen, Trump, Stormy yeah, Daniels right. um, 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 uh, fiasco or, or um, episode, whatever you want to call it. Uh, a day or two ago when Michael Cohen released that mm-hmm. statement to the New York Times' Maggie Haberman right. admitting that, oh, uh, claiming that Trump and the Trump organization and the campaign um, – or, or perhaps not Trump himself, but the Trump organization and the 2016 Trump campaign had nothing to do with the six-figure payment mm-hmm. that he facilitated to Stormy Daniels for, right. in his public mind, who knows what? Who, what what yeah. could it have been? Um, as I was looking into this a month ago and talking to people who talked Very to quick. Michael Cohen uh, privately, they were all saying that he was uniformly saying privately that the Wall Street Journal story – was BS and fake news. So in that statement to Maggie Haberman, he was basically confessing that he has been lying to friends about, about this. So you know, big surprise. Who would have thought yeah. that Michael Cohen would have lied about Would have anything? lied. <laughs> yeah, if he lied about that, who knows what he lied about. Um, but uh, uh, we'll see. And it does seem that uh, if he's talking, then why can't Stormy Daniels talk? You're right. So who could she sell it to? Who still pays for interviews? Uh, I think the Daily Mail still pays for scoops. Really? National well, Enquirer does, but National Enquirer is a pro-Trump ally, so they would never do that. Yeah. All right. Well, the Bill Press Show would pay her. Uh, <laughs> How much? That's what I'm saying. Great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so this much for having me. is the Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And here we are again, reeling from another school shooting, this one in Parkland, Florida, yesterday. High school um, and uh, with 17 students who never came home from school yesterday, 17 beautiful boys and girls who uh, laid their life down uh, in a an American high school, and that is the 18th time that that has happened already this year. And we're only 43 days into 2018. When, when, when are we finally going to say enough is enough? We're going to do something about the easy accessibility of assault weapons like the AR-15 used by the shooter in Parkland, Florida yesterday. 
Hate to start that way. That is the grim news, though, that is dominant, uh, I mean, correctly dominating uh, the news, if only it were followed by some efforts uh, to end this epidemic, some efforts to end this madness. And yet, with the cowardly Republicans in the Congress and the White House, we know that nothing will happen, and not to mention the cowardly Republican leadership of Florida. We got lots to talk about uh, that, and also uh, the White House still reeling from the Rob Porter scandal. Uh, can't get, still can't get their story straight. And in the Senate, Republicans, a group of Republicans and Democrats, say they've got a good plan for immigration. And now the question is, for immigration reform, can they get 60 votes to get it past the Senate this week? And what will it do about the Dreamers? All of that coming up here and with uh, Congressman John Yarmuth, our guest uh, from Kentucky, our guest for this half hour. And we want to hear from you, your comments on the news of the day. Uh, send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Jump right in. But first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. We go to Schenectady, New York, to Union College, where there was an archivist in the library there who pulled out a well-worn red leather almanac, which had a metal clasp on the outside and had not been opened in years. He opened it up, and he found an envelope inside that had locks of hair. Locks of hair. Locks of hair from Henry Th- David Thoreau. Well, no? on the outside of the envelope was an inscription, Washington's hair given to his mother August 10th, 1871. It was a six-inch-long grouping of George Washington's hair. No. No kidding. They actually looked into 1871? this. 1871? 1871. Now, here's the thing. It was given as a keepsake to James Hamilton, the third son of Alexander Hamilton, and he then put it into this almanac, and then they put it in the library, and it hadn't been seen since. So, uh, there's a, there, I mean, it's a lock of George Washington's actual hair. There, I mean, I'm looking at a picture of it. We'll, we'll tweet it out. I hope they uh, do so a DNA a sample. At, I mean, yeah, I hate right? to be, you know, a skeptic here, but, yeah. Well, always be a skeptic, man. That's okay. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being a skeptic. Uh, you're an Alexa guy, I know. Yes. Uh, you like Alexa. Yes. By the way, uh, yeah, I've. A new discovery with Alexa, which I'm very happy with. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, Apple jumped into the the, the home assistant market with I know, their with HomePod. HomePod. It yeah. costs three hundred fifty dollars. But here's the problem: some people are taking it, and it looks nice. They're taking it and they're putting it on their coffee table. Here's the thing: there have been multiple complaints that the white device you can get it either black or white. Uh, the white device leaves white rings on some wooden surfaces. Now, they have, some of them have faded over time. Others have not gone away. It depends Uh-oh. on the type yeah. of wood or whatever. But Apple has not issued any kind of comment yet on whether or not it's staining wood furniture or leaving marks or any of that stuff. So just be careful if you get a HomePod. If you want to redecorate your house, that's one. Well, I leave my Alexa on the floor. Smart. Uh, but also, my problem, the only problem I have with Alexa is I keep calling her Acela. <laughs> because I take the train so much. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Asela, Alexa. Yeah. Somebody told me I could change the name. You can change the name. Then yeah, I could call totally her like Judy or something. Whatever right? you want to call her. Yeah, I know. So maybe I'll have to do that.
Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Yet again, uh, we wake up with the news of another school shooting in this country, number 18 already for this year. Uh, And we are only 43 days into 2018. Uh, 17 broken families in Parkland, Florida this morning. 17 beautiful boys and girls who left home yesterday and never made it back. Uh, So cruel, so senseless, so sad, and so totally unnecessary to deal with it. Again, when, when, when are we going to take the action that might prevent such things as happening? You can't just talk about it the way Rick Scott and Marco Rubio did yesterday. We've got to do something. Um, But if it didn't happen after Sandy Hook, and if it didn't happen uh, after uh, Kentucky, Benson, Kentucky, I think it was. Benton, Benton, Kentucky, uh, a month ago... We know, we just know that nothing's going to happen today. Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, on this Thursday, February 15. Uh, and so good to welcome back to the studio, and particularly appropriate today, our good friend uh, from Kentucky's 3rd Congressional District, Congressman John Yarmouth. Hey, Congressman. Great hey, to see you. No, it's good to be here. But, um, yeah, this last um, one of the last ones was in Kentucky, Benton, Kentucky. Right. Two kids killed there. Um yeah, I think just, I, I think this one yesterday was the either the 18th or 19th 18th, school 18th. shooting uh, this year, which is astounding, and um, <clears throat> it's heartbreaking, it's frustrating. I think all of us up here, well, all of us at least on our side of the aisle, um, uh, it's just a uh, kind of suppressed fury at the helplessness that that we all feel. And then I look at, um, I saw a list of the donors. The donations from the NRA to <clears throat> some of these members, right? And it's unbelievable. In the last election cycle, three million, four million dollars per member in the in the Senate, and Marco Rubio, three point three yeah, million. It's, yeah, it's absolutely outrageous. You uh, know what I was saying earlier is, you know, we got to this place here recently with the Harvey Weinstein donations or the Steve Wynn donations, or the money that was raised by those guys for different politicians on both sides of the aisle, and. Their opponents were saying, will you give that money back? Will you give that money back to these now uh, that we know that they're terrible people? And I think that, that we're at a point now where we got to do the same yeah. thing with people who take that much money from the NRA. Will, will you, you give, give that money NRA? back? And the answer, of course, is no. Of course not. I, I just want to play for you. Uh, well, first of all, here is um, a woman, Rosemary Jensen, I believe her name is. Let me double check here. Uh, yeah, Rosemary Jensen. Um, one of the mothers of one of the kids who did come home uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. but asking, I think, the appropriate question. I just don't know how how many times does this have to happen before we have a conversation about the underlying causes of why, A, kids feel or anyone feels the need to do this, or why they have such easy access to weapons. Why such easy access to weapons? So contrast that, Congressman. It's a response after the contrast that with here's the governor of Florida yesterday, Rick Scott saying and his response. We're going to continue to figure out how we how we learn from this uh, to uh, to hopefully try to make sure this doesn't happen again. Okay, how we learn from that's real leadership, real leadership, real leadership. Uh, It's pathetic. And they won't learn the one lesson they should learn. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And, you know, 
one of the sources of frustration is when you bring up an argument like background checks or banning assault weapons or whatever it may be, and then they say, well, that wouldn't have necessarily prevented this particular one. So the idea is that we're going to do nothing and that we can't prevent anything. And, you know, we know background checks. By the way, it might have prevented this one. (laughs) It might have. This was an AR-15. Yeah. We know that background checks have have kept guns from millions of people who shouldn't have had them. Uh, And yet we still allow people on the no-fly list to buy guns legally in this country. So, you know, and, and I think what's probably even more important is that by doing anything, we send a signal that this stuff is not normal, it's not appropriate, that guns are to be taken seriously, that they're not toys, they're not video game accessories, and that the government has made a statement that we want to do something about this. And then I think it would have a ripple effect, and you'd stop some of these ridiculous loosening of gun regulations uh, in in many states throughout the country. And you know, we've, yeah, got, we've that, got several that, before our general assembly right now in, that in are Kentucky. pending. Yeah, they're being considered, and I hope they don't they aren't passed. But um, but know, the, that, no, that's an important point because it's not only that they refuse to uh, to enact um, sensible gun safety measures, but they are undoing the ones that we already have. Washington, D.C. is a perfect example. Yeah. We have yeah. one of the toughest gun laws here, and now now there's a concealed carry law in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, right. And we had a bill in the, in the United States House of Representatives that would force states to uh, observe the gun laws of other states so that even if you had strict requirements in your state— if you were coming from a state that had open carry and mm-hmm. so forth, you would be obligated to respect their laws. So you really couldn't even protect your own citizens if you were inclined to do that. I yeah. mean, that's how absurd it's gotten. Right. Um, uh, uh, in, in terms of cowardly politicians <laughs> from Florida, we can't forget, I mentioned Marco Rubio, $3.3 million from the NRA the last few years. So here is his response yesterday, basically saying, there's nothing we can do. Marco Rubio. What do you do about it? I mean, whatever it is we do has to prevent it. And uh, as I've always said, if there's something out there that we can do, whether it's a law or a program or both, of course we're going to be open to that. But it's got to work. It can't just be something that makes us feel good. Isn't that Don't just... Don't you love that leadership? Again, your lack politicians. of leadership. What can we do? Oh but even he says do? if there's something that could work, then he says, well, we'd be open <laughs> to it. Yeah. yeah, Not that we would do it. Right. I mean, it's pathetic. It is pathetic. No, it is. It's, but, but, you know, particularly, I mean, we are, other people must look at us, and I think history will look at us as a, as a nation of cowards, you know, uh, that, that we don't, we're not even willing to do what's necessary to protect our kids in school, for God's sake. Right. You know, and I think we do have, if, if we were to allow um, institutions like the Center for Disease Control to actually study gun violence and... So forth. Oh, that's yeah. We, of course, we won't. We allow might that. get some steps that are even, you know. I, I think, for instance, we ought to have social media instruction at every school in the country, and, and kids need to be told what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, Amen. what Man, warnings, and what to look for. And, mm-hmm. and if you see, you know, you could show signs here. This guy, yeah, you I, could show this guy's Facebook post and right. say, if you see this. From one of your friends, you need to tell your parents. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that kind of uh, orientation, I think, is really important for our young people. And, and again, if it ends up stopping five people 
from killing totally. fellow students, it's worth doing. And you know, I don't I don't know about added security members at, uh, measures at schools. That's well, there were armed police officers yeah, at the school yeah. yesterday. It just shows that right. that whole idea if you have a couple of cops there, right? Which well, in a school of three thousand, it's an enormous campus and of course. multiple buildings. And no, so of forth. course, yeah. yeah. I mean, you cannot have an armed guard at every door in no. every school, every classroom door, Absolutely whatever. Not. No, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I was reflecting earlier this this idea. I mean, okay, when we went to school, we had fire drills, right? No, yeah, right. Uh, today they have gun. Mass shooting drills, right? right. Teaching yeah. kids to hide in closet, teaching kids to lock their doors and hide behind locked doors and climb, whatever. I mean, it's just frightening. Right. The, yeah, we had we had they, drills, not drills, but instruction on how to uh, get under our desks in case of a nuclear a nuclear bomb. bomb yeah, <laughs> which uh, it, it just cover. just seems ludicrous in in retrospect that that was yeah. going to protect us from a nuclear blast, of course, right. but. Anyway, right. So uh, the other thing, Congressman, and that's why I'm so glad you're here today, is there is this belief, right, on the part of a lot of um, cowardly politicians that they have, they cannot dare buck the NRA or they lose their job. I mean, you're yeah. living proof that that's not true. Right, yeah. I have an F rating from the NRA. <laughs> and as a matter of fact, I, uh, this year— And they, always have, right? I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Every th- This year, or last year, when they sent out the questionnaire— that they do every election cycle back in 2016, and there were there were a bunch of questions, and there were actually two or three that I agreed with. Mm-hmm. So I decided not to fill out the form because I didn't want to possibly get a D <laughs> or D <laughs> D minus. But um, I didn't want to give them any idea that I was moving their way. But yeah, they are paper tigers. And, you know, the vast majority of uh, districts. Don't have people enough people who are going to cast their vote based on a gun position. I figure in my district maybe there are a thousand or two thousand people out of, out of, out of you know out of quarter million voters or yeah. whatever three hundred thousand voters, and so the idea that they can actually change an election, yeah, if you're in a fifty-fifty district and you're scrapping for every vote, then it might make a difference. But in the vast majority of jurisdictions, people don't vote. Just based on that. Okay, that, so that many don't. Two questions, number one. What did you do to get an F from the NRA? I mean, what <laughs> did you support? Banning all guns? No. Well, I would. <laughs> no, I would, no, I would <laughs> no. almost do that. Um, no, I, you know, they have votes that uh, are are very strange votes that the NRA scores. So they have a vote on importing uh, dead polar bears if you shoot them in, you mm-hmm. know, in oh. Alaska or wherever it is, and. And bring them back, and and you know that there's banned. It has been banned, but they uh, they wanted to have a vote to let people bring their carcasses. But for example, the, their uh, the things that you would support um, reasonable gun safety would include background checks, background checks, assault, assault weapons weapon ban, limitations on uh, on magazine capacity. Um, no, let's little, start with those three. Yeah, but they cop, would be cop killer bullets. Cop killer bullets. Okay. Yeah. They would be it's all sensible, reasonable that are not going to do anything to to interfere with anybody's ability to go out and hunt deer or rabbits or exactly. ducks or whatever, right? Exactly. And yet they would oppose all four of right. those. Right? Yeah, and the gun, so, well, the gun show loophole, but that's part and of the gun the, show that's, loophole. That's part, part of the background, the background check. check. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the who is the who are the NRA today, or who is the NRA? Isn't that I mean they? I remember. In my early days in politics, when you'd go to gun 
um, was it the Rod and Gun uh, yeah. Club, I think, or something, awesome. in Marin County, California. <laughs> but they were just hunters. They were duck hunters and right. the, the, the sportsmen, right? That was the NRA of the time. That's not the case today, is no, it? No, but I think the fallacy is that the members of the NRA are irrational people. The, 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 the members of the NRA, by and large, are very responsible gun owners, and they favor things like background checks because they yeah. don't want people who shouldn't have guns to have them. I mean, they, something and, like 80-some percent, I, yeah. I saw. Yeah, 75 NRA. to 80% yeah. support back of NRA members. NRA members. So basically, the NRA is a consortium of gun manufacturers who are in it to, to preserve their business, and they call mm-hmm. the shots. It's not their... Right. It's not their rank-and-file members. It's yeah. the gun it's manufacturers. the gun manufacturers, and that the NRA is basically the lobby for the gun manufacturers yeah, exactly today. Exactly right. right. Um, on another issue, you are a ranking Democrat on budget, correct? Yes. So um, what do you think of the president's budget? <laughs> and and well, uh, what, do all, what, are your fellow, what do your deficit hawk Republicans <laughs> think about it? Well, it, it's really an interesting dynamic because the budget has managed to offend both sides of, of, of the aisle. These uh, are the biggest spenders of all time, aren't yeah. they? But it's it's interesting. We had a hearing yesterday with uh, Mick Mulvaney, the, the director of the Office of Management and Budget, and he mm-hmm. presented the, the budget, and we all questioned him. And the Republicans basically, even the, the real staunch deficit hawks like Mark Sanford and David Bratt, and they kind of rolled over on it, and they, they tended to focus on growth rates and things like that rather than the the seven trillion dollars of additional debt that right i saw that added. seven trillion dollars of additional yeah, debt over and 10 this, years. this is on top of of course one and a half trillion that was added by the tax cut bill at the end of the last year exactly and the what 800 billion i think that was in the uh, extension of government funding that was just passed, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. Where, where's all this money coming from? Well, that that's a good question. And what you know, what there, there are two things. One is what I'm the way I'm referring to the budget is a confessional because with their budget, they confessed that the tax cut that was passed last year doesn't do anything like they represented it to. Uh, it doesn't raise revenues. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. revenues over the ten year period are three point seven trillion dollars less than. The, the OMB uh, projected in their last year's budget, and it doesn't pro- pro- promote the growth that they in this budget that they promised last year, and <clears throat> obviously uh, it doesn't pay for itself. So that's I think probably the, my headline from this budget. The budget is relatively irrelevant because we did pass a two-year spending agreement and that mm-hmm. uh, so this budget is more of a as Mick himself said Mulvaney said this is a messaging document this is how we'd like to see money spent but still it it sets a you know it's a statement of their values and one of the things that I did yesterday was what republicans love to do in conservatives is they say um well there's social spending and then there's pentagon spend defense spending we're referring to the discretionary part of the budget that we have control over. And so I asked Mick, uh, does he consider the FBI as social spending? Because, you know, when oh, people hear social, they think yeah, well, they yeah. think welfare. And as right. a matter of fact, some of them use the term uh, interchangeably. And I said, is um, the Border Patrol social spending? Is ICE Good. Sport, is, is, is the yeah. IRS? Yeah. Are the federal courts? Are yeah. DEA? Yeah. Are, and and what you, when you realize what's in that category, which they slash in their budget, 
that it's stuff that is almost every bit as much a part of national security as the Pentagon is. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I uh, think that's an important point. important point to make. Right. We we did an analysis the, the the budget committee staff, our staff, that of the of that non discretionary non defense discretionary budget that they call social programming, uh, less than eleven percent actually is income based, which is how we we kind of defined what a social welfare mm-hmm. program would be, something that's based on your income. And that's a, a, so it's just 11%. 11% of that right. of that almost $600 billion. Now, uh, of course, they've got so much money uh, and so much extra money, you know, just floating around uh, that they can even um, talk about having a great big military mm-hmm. parade. Here is uh, Mick Mulvaney in front of your committee mm-hmm. yesterday uh, when he was asked, uh, how much is this parade going to cost? I've seen various different cost estimates from between, I think, $10 million and $30 million, depending on the size of the parade, uh, the scope of it, the length of it, those types of things. Yeah. <laughs> $10 million? No way it's going to be. Yeah. We're probably over 30 right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and how many tanks you put in and how long the parade lasts and all those things. You know, I, I have to give – Mick's a friend of mine, and uh, we don't agree on virtually anything, but he's a friend. He's a good guy. He's, he's uh, pretty much a straight shooter. And – but and he was yesterday. Yeah, he, he was yesterday. He's very honest. Yeah, we don't know. We haven't we we haven't dis- discussed the par- the parameters of the parade, the dimensions, and so forth. So it's hard to put a price on it. But what's interesting is that you know what I one of the things I asked him was they're giving in these next two years this budget deal that we passed last week, a uh, hundred and ninety five billion dollars more to the Defense Department over the next two years, hundred and ninety five billion dollars more. Whoa. The the Pentagon has never been audited, audited even though every government department is required by law to be audited. They just began their first audit ever in January. They've already discovered several billion dollars that they can't account for, oh, and I'll we're bet. going to give them to another hundred and ninety five billion dollars over the next more. two years. Yeah, it's, it's you know I go amazing. back to I remember reading about that. I have to refresh uh, my uh, knowledge of this, but in the middle of World War II. When the war was ongoing, Harry Truman led a committee that was basically auditing the Pentagon budget and talking about the waste and the abuse in the middle of the war. I mean, then it made sense that you didn't give anybody a blank check, certainly not even the military. Exactly. And one of the things that most people don't think about is that a huge portion of the Pentagon's budget goes to contractors. Mm -hmm. So you have to not just audit the books of the Pentagon, but the the contractors right. as well. So it, it looks to me like they're planning this damn parade, aren't they? It sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, and you can't stop them, can you? No. Well, we could, yes, we could pass a bill prohibiting any money from being spent on a parade. Yeah, we could do that. You could do that, yeah. yeah. But uh, not Congress, likely to happen. Congress is not going to happen right. as long as Paul Ryan's the speaker, right? I mean, that's not going right. to, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the only way you could do it. Otherwise, um, you know, the, the president obviously wants it. Uh, we, it's been reported that he gave him orders uh, yeah. to, to build it, and that, that General Mattis has said, you know, okay, uh, yeah. how big a parade do you want? How many tanks, yeah. as you point and out? Mick said, Mick said, I think he said that there, there was money in the Pentagon budget that they could move around to pay for it. They wouldn't need a separate appropriation. Uh, so, yeah, there's not much we but can do But you talk about, it. I mean— 
flying all this equipment here, rolling this equipment down Pennsylvania Avenue, all of that person power, all of the security, fixing the streets up. I mean, it is. It's building the reviewing stand. I mean, it's. It is lunacy. It is. Total (laughs) lunacy. Um, Interesting comment yesterday, budget wise. From the president and uh, speaking, I don't know whether you were at that meeting dealing with infrastructure yesterday at the White House. No. no. Uh, the president proposed um, increasing the gas tax by 25 cents, uh, which is something Democrats and Republicans have been talking about for some time. He said, obviously, we got to pay for this somehow, which sort of, to me, was also an indication that we spent all that money. <laughs> so now we have this infrastructure plan and we don't have the money for it. So we're going to pay for it by increasing the gas tax 25 cents. Would you support that? Um, I don't know about the 25 cents. Uh, I would certainly support some increase in the gas tax. And we have a proposal that, well, Peter DeFazio. If it were dedicated to infrastructure. infrastructure yeah. yeah, Pete DeFazio uh, from Oregon, who's the ranking Democrat He's, on uh, Transportation he Infrastructure was Committee. Yeah, he has a plan that involves a, a penny increase in, in the tax. The a, problem a penny with, a year. Which I thought yeah. was a good way of doing it. Just yeah. one penny Just a one year penny for a year. like 10 years or something right. like that. Now, the, the problem with something like 25 cents is you have di- different states that have been increasing their gas tax. So you could end up with where some states had a huge uh, hike in, in gas prices. And ultimately, a gas tax is not the solution because we're, going, we're not going to be using gasoline for cars uh, in a relatively well, short period of time. That's why the Highway Trust Fund is in, exactly. in trouble because we have more efficient cars, right, and electric cars, and the gas tax is not bringing in as much revenue as it did. But yeah. it, it was it, it's curious to hear Donald Trump, after all the talk about cutting taxes, cutting taxes, that Donald Trump proposing an increase in the gas tax. Absolutely, and something that I would say virtually every Republican in Congress would oppose. Right. Yeah. Um, I saw a note this morning that uh, the last time the gas tax was raised was in 1993 at the federal yeah. level. Uh, Bill Clinton did that. Uh, by the way, it's now 18.4 cents, right? So at 25, you know, you're talking 43 cents a gallon federal gas tax. But anyway, the last time it happened was in 1993 with, under Bill Clinton. And a year later, Democrats lost both houses. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, politically, it may not be the... Uh, well, I heard uh, an analysis, uh, though, the other day, because I think, I forget which state, but one state is, is either has just voted to add a quarter uh, a gallon to the tax or has probably it Probably California. <laughs> <laughs> but in this uh, thing I read, they said that, that they didn't think, they could not find any... Um, elected official who lost an election. Oh, because of that. Because huh? of that. Right. Anyway, so you know, it may not be, you know, people kind of get it that if, if you want roads without potholes that you got to yeah, pay for you it. you got to pay for it. Um, Congressman, I remember uh, a couple of years ago, uh, you were in the middle of the, uh, I think it was maybe the Gang of Eight or the Gang of mm-hmm. 13 trying to write an immigration reform bill in the House. Um, and now this, the, 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 the game has kind of shifted to the Senate. What do you hear, uh, and this is an issue you care a lot about, about this bipartisan Senate bill? Is it, does it, have a, is it good, and does it have a prayer? I mean, what? Well, I, I don't know all the details. It, it, uh, as I understand it, it, it provides for a fairly lengthy path to citizenship for the DREAMers mm-hmm. uh, for the, and the expanded DREAM. 10 to 12 years. Yeah, 10 but, to 12 years and for the expanded population, so the million eight who are eligible under yeah. DACA. 
and then put some restrictions on who they can then sponsor for mm-hmm. uh, uh, admission to the country. Family migration, yeah. right. And, you know, I, from what I just briefly saw, it it looked like, I mean, for instance, no, I think it said no adult children. And, you know, that, that would take some thought because, mm-hmm. you know, the idea should be to keep families together and not, Right, and, and I don't actually. I don't know who, what DACA beneficiary would have adult children anyway. At least they would at some point, maybe. But and they probably would so be do you citizens. Think they can get the sixty votes. What are you hearing? Or is um, it too early? I heard that there's a chance of getting sixty votes. Yeah. Now, it, it doesn't. What I saw too, it doesn't have funding for the wall, but it puts twenty five billion in a trust fund to be used yeah. for border security measures, which right. is kind of a. Um, a way of doing border security without saying build the wall, right? But, right. Now, I talk, I, you know, we did, I was part of the Gang of Eight in 2013. We negotiated for seven months, and we mm-hmm. came up with a, a a comprehensive plan that seven of the eight of us signed off on. Mm. Uh, Ral Labrador decided at the last minute not to. And we were convinced that it had at least 260 votes in the House. We couldn't get it to the floor. John Boehner, then Speaker, wouldn't yeah. do it, and Bob Goodlett was blocking it in uh, the Judiciary Committee. So, but it was, I think, in some respects, significantly more conservative than what I understand this bipartisan group really? has come up really? with. And we, we were willing to, to sign off on it. Now, it did some other things. So it basically eliminated the backlog of people who have been in line trying to come in now. It, at the time, it was about 3 million people. Mm-hmm. It, it's now about 4 million. And these are people who are being sponsored by family members and so forth. The um, family reunifi- reunification, which the Republicans crassly call chain, chain migration. migration. Yeah. So there are all these people waiting, and some have been waiting 15, 18 years, and it would have brought them all in at once. Uh, that was a very progressive position. But for the most part, we had, I think, around $20 billion for border, added border security, not for a wall, but for mm-hmm. other stuff. Well, they uh, weren't talking about the wall. Well, they weren't talking about for, yeah. you know, And by the way, uh, more than 50% of all the illegal crossings occur where there is a barrier right now. So the idea that that's going to make a whole lot of difference is... Not to mention the ones that come in at airports, right? Right. That, yeah, the vast majority of people who are here illegally came here legally and just overstayed. But so I, the point of raising that is, you know, when we... The Senate had passed a bill on a bipartisan basis in April of 2013. Our bill was we thought was slightly more conservative than the Senate bill, which we thought it had to be in order to pass the House. Because mm-hmm. back then and the you, Senate was in Democratic control and the House yeah. was, in, was in Republican control. So I'm sure there is a, the point is, I'm sure there is a deal to be done. Right, right. Because <laughs> the, 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 the parameters but, of the deal are pretty much, were pretty much set in 2013 and not much has changed since then. So you're hopeful that there, there's a good chance that they will get be able to get it, yeah. And then yeah. it comes to the House, and of course, then Paul Ryan's going to have to decide whether or not he allows a vote on it. Right. right. I think we, what I think one of the significant things is to make sure whenever it comes to the House, and you know, it'd be great if we could do something before March fifth. I don't see that happening. Is that we get past most of the Republican uh, filing dates? Oh. <laughs> because I think that's one of the big concerns that most Republicans have. They don't want to cast a vote mm. for mm-hmm. an immigration bill, and then. Uh, entice a challenge in their primary. All if right. you can get past so, the filing dates. <laughs> Boy, again, we go back where we started. Talk about backbone and courage, right, and leadership. So if you get them past their filing date, there's some, nobody else could file against them, then they might be willing to vote for yeah. it. 
man, <laughs> what you got to do to get a vote in the Congress and to get anything yeah, done over there? It's pretty amazing. Uh, I don't know. Somehow, uh, somehow you keep at it, though, Congressman. We admire you for that <laughs> and for all that you're doing. Thanks so much for coming in today. It's uh, great to see you. Always good to be here. Uh, Congressman uh, John Yarmouth from uh, 3rd District of Kentucky. Nikki Schwab covers the Congress for the Daily Mail. Uh, I'll take a quick break and be back with uh, Nikki Schwab. Great to see you, Congressman. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, how about it on a Thursday, February 15, um, morning after uh, Valentine's Day. Hope you had a good one. Sadly, it was a very tragic Valentine's Day in Parkland, Florida, for 17 families, particularly for the whole community, for the whole nation. We welcome you back to the Bill Press Show, here for our uh, final half hour together today, on this Thursday. And as we begin this last half hour, let me remind you of a great, great opportunity uh, that I'd love to share with you, which is uh, a copy of my new book. You've heard me talk about it. From the Left, Life in the Crossfire. Uh, so it comes out next month, but you don't have to wait till then to get your copy. Um, if you go to our website, BillPressShow.com, you can order a copy like right now, and you should because uh, we're offering to our listeners and our viewers a 40% discount uh, that brings a book down to just sixteen seventy nine, which is about 10 bucks cheaper than you'd pay on Amazon even for the book. Uh, so a signed copy your way. Go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Follow the link. Order your copy today. I've got lots of great stories in it uh, and um, endorsements from a lot of good friends, including Cenk Uygur from, uh, the, from the Young Turks, Nancy Pelosi, Jerry Brown, Rosa DeLauro, Maxine Waters, Tucker Carlson, <laughs> Joe Scarborough, and even Ann Coulter with... A blurb on the front from uh, the great Bernie Sanders. He says, this is the tale of an engaged and often outraged citizen who loves his country. Thank you, Bernie. Get your copy. Go to BillPressShow.com and order it uh, today. Follow the link. And we welcome to the program from the Daily Mail, which is the source of the outlet that broke the Rob Porter story. Here she is, Nikki Schwab, covering the Congress for Daily Mail. Hi, Nikki. How are Hi, you? Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you've been all over the place uh, here lately. Uh, among many stories you've been writing about, and now she is back in the news, Dale, uh, Stormy Daniels, huh? She is the gift that keeps on giving, Don't Bill. Don't know why there's <laughs> no sun up in the sky. So, Stormy Daniels. Stormy Daniels. <laughs> and, we, and we may now hear... Uh, some of these details about her alleged affair with Be- President Trump because alleged she, my foot because yes. I mean I'm going to say alleged because that's right, okay. what I do as a political reporter but um so I don't know how how much you've been following this lately but Trump's lawyer Michael yeah. Cohen came out and said that he 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 gave her this money. $130,000 out of his own pocket out of his own pocket not reimbursed by Donald Trump not no. reimbursed but um, I'm not sure how great of a lawyer he is because by articulating that the deal happened, he might have broken the deal, that's and what, thus, and that's, that's what her lawyers are now arguing. So right. she could potentially come Which out frees her to, to tell the whole story. Exactly. Right. Now Stormy Daniels has always wanted money to tell this story, 
And that's what she was sort of shopping around uh, prior to the 2016 election. So it sounds like she's going to try to get somebody, some outlet to pay her, which, you know, most, I don't blame her. most mainstream outlets, I know ourselves included, don't pay sources to go on the record and, and, and talk about this. We do here at the but, Bill Press. Yes, so <laughs> if, if you want to give her another $130,000, I'm sure she would come to you guys first. I got 20 bucks in my wallet. Yeah, Stormy, here you go. Um, but uh, There are people who will pay for this story. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I just don't think, you know, mainstream outlets don't tend to pay for, no, for no, stories, right. obviously. But, but yeah, I think that somebody will definitely pay for this tell-all. But, you know, we know a lot about it already if the 2011 In Touch Weekly interview is to be believed. So how long did it last? Do we know? Uh, she- 2006. It started in the summer, and it went on through 2007. Mm. Um. <laughs> and they met in several different cities, it sounds like, I think in Los Angeles at one point, in New York. Uh, but it started in uh, outside of Reno at Lake Tahoe at this golf tournament. And what's interesting, too, is if you um, – there's there's several other people that have come on the record and talked about it, and their stories generally track with what we sort of know about what happened. She had this friend who went on Megyn Kelly's NBC show who had been at this golf tournament at the same time, another adult film actress – uh, who basically said, you know, I, I remember getting texts from Stormy being like, hey, I'm in Donald Trump's hotel room. Come join us. Ha ha. You know, I, you can imagine what that means. And, um, you know, a couple weeks before the 2016 election, Stormy Daniels was talking to a reporter from Slate and, and basically divulged all these details. But she did so off the record so he could never actually use them. But it was the same thing. 2006 golf tournament, you know, outside of Reno, blah, 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 blah. So everything sort of tracks. But the reason the Slate reporter never went with it, even with, because, well, first was because he didn't have Stormy Daniels, obviously, on the record. But secondly, everybody who corroborated the story was somebody that Stormy had put him in touch with. And so you don't know if, like, everybody's sort of in on it. Yeah. Or, so right. so he, he was reluctant to ever run the story and never did and had heard from Stormy that, you know, she was potentially going to get paid by a Trump associate to keep quiet. And then all of a sudden she stopped texting him or at least texting him back. Yeah. And then he found out from a you know a, a intermediary that she had indeed taken this sum of money. So multiple people sort of knew this was happening. In real time. I see a book deal. Oh yeah, I definitely see a book I deal. I see a movie. I mean, yeah, this is her moment. She she well, she the, cash in for the interview. Well, cash she's in done for, movies before, Bill. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that's true. <laughs> she's true. she's got, I think, quite the uh, IM, IMDb page at this point, Bill. <laughs> um, but the, sort of the strange. We read some of her greatest hits, but uh, yeah, we have rules. Oh. Mm-hmm. We can't okay. read some of those on air. But but Cohen too. I mean, the strangest thing is is one of the reasons why he ended up going on the record with the New York Times is that he it, it was exposed that he's been shopping this book that he wants to do about Trump, and he sort of characterized it as you know I, I want to do something that sort of counters the narrative of Fire and Fury, but. In, in part of his write-up to give the publishers, he was like, and I'm planning to be, you know, to tell you all about the whole Stormy Daniels money exchange. So he sort of shot himself in the foot in that way because he planned to sort of cash in. Like, this is going to be his time to to make some money off of, you know, his relationship with Trump. And uh, here we are. Let me tell you, anybody who believes that Michael Cohen paid this woman $130,000 out of his own pocket as a as a favor to his friend Donald Trump and did not get reimbursed for it is an idiot. I mean, that did not happen. I mean, I mean 
that, you know. I, of course. But, you know, I and, mean, and, I, I, why would anybody believe that? And I but. think the reason why he has come forward is because you have, had, well, first of all, you have common cause going to the Department of Justice and going to the Federal Election Commission and saying this is an unreported in-kind contribution to the Trump campaign and should be investigated. So I think Cohen was like, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stop that whole thing from going down this invest, potential investigation from the DOJ and the FEC by saying that I just I just paid her out of pocket. Yeah. But then in turn that could potentially mean that she can now speak. So right. it's it's a, a mess for All them. Right. So we'll uh, stay tuned. All stay right. tuned. And the White yeah. House still hasn't really. I mean, we haven't heard a question about Stormy Daniels at the press briefing, but I would expect. Uh, uh, let be, me tell you, there would have been yesterday. There, oh, I was planning uh, to ask it, actually. Oh, I was in go. the briefing yesterday. Uh, except but the, obviously, the, the, the briefing was you don't, canceled. You don't want to ask about a porn star, you know, on the heels of a massive school shooting. And there, was, and there ended up not being a briefing because of Because the, of the school shooting. Allegedly because of the school shooting. Yeah. Maybe because of uh, John Kelly and Rob Porter uh, as well. Um, okay, so um, poor Scott Pruitt, the administrator from EPA, right? I mean— he is so beleaguered, so many security threats that he can only fly first class. Yeah. <laughs> I mean— Isn't there a rule most government officials do not do fly Do not first. fly first class. They're supposed to, to to fly in the cheapest way possible. And they made an exception for Scott Pruitt. Because he Why? was getting—well, he, well, he says it's because of a security risk. But then he's, I think, changed it a little bit to be like, you know, people, passengers were annoying him or— the, 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 it, it, he downgraded the statement, and everyone's like, um, dude, travel is annoying. Passengers will always be annoying. Like, just stop it. But, I mean, the, the original story that came out, I mean, it was literally like two or three weeks in June where he racked up like $90,000. And one of the most sort of egregious things is that he had flown uh, out By of— By the way, st- I'm, I have to interrupt you, but I'll be with you. Nine— no, 10 out of 10 people on an Amtrak train would not recognize Scott Pruitt if he got on That's, the train. That was my you thought You know what? Well. I would not recognize Scott Pruitt if he walked in that door. I probably would at this point, but... <laughs> Maybe, Maybe I would. But Maybe. I mean, it Only be... because of the multiple scandals that the administration have been involved But it wouldn't in. be like right away. I mean, do you think if he walks down, you know, into like Macy's or something, people are going to say, oh my God, there's Scott Pruitt, there's Scott Pruitt. No. I mean, I've been on planes with, I remember whenever we would travel, you know, between D.C. and Iowa, I'd be on planes with like Joni Ernst and you know Chuck Grassley, who were both sitting in coach. No, and like, half the time, even the Iowans... <laughs> Yeah. Who were going into D.C. had no clue that there were two, you know, two of their senators were both on this no, plane. No, exactly. So this idea, you know, that he's uh, that 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 hassled, particularly him, you know, I mean, I could see it. The vice president, right, absolutely, or something. But no, Scott Pruitt. So that's, and that, he has a security detail. So even if he's sitting in coach he, with his security detail, exactly. he would he would likely be okay. Yeah, but, but I mean, he I mean, he's it, flying first first class between like D.C. and New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it does seem that this administration does have a problem with look. This is first of all we had Tom Price who had to resign exactly, this. and now you've got the VA, the head of the VA, who spent like I don't know what I I forget the number as well, two or three hundred thousand dollars or something on a on a this boondoggle trip to Europe where he and his wife spent all their time and his wife's plane visiting ticket was... castles and and his wife was also paid for. Yeah, I I, I was reading it this morning. So, VA secretary, here it is, um, $122,000, quote, 
business trip. Yes, to to Europe. Uh, it was ten days. They went to Denmark and London, and they spend most of their time visiting castles and other tourist sites. What a lovely trip. Right. That sounds so now, like what we call a vacation. Yeah. So, like, he's <laughs> under fire. Pruitt's under fire. And even, you know, I, I was covering um, Steve Mnuchin's wife again this week, Louise oh. Linton, because she did this this piece in, in L. And even if they're not necessarily, you know, throwing away government money, it's the optics problem when it comes to that couple. I mean, she's showing up in these, you know— I actually saw her at an event maybe two months ago where she was like in a full on decked out gown at like Cafe Milano. And it's just, it's, <laughs> and I mean, and it was, it was a nice party. It was her big anniversary party, but you know, it, it was cocktail attire. It wasn't, you know, formal attire. But I mean, they're, they're just so, this whole administration is no, such an optics Mnuchin problem. Mnuchin and his wife op- are the op- ultimate opulence. gold digger, opulent, yeah, couple. You know, a disgustingly rich couple, and it's and, it's not a and, good but, narrative. But they flaunt it, they flaunt it. You yes, know, they 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 show it off, and and she's gotten in trouble for that. Yeah, too. I so mean, and she also grew up in a cake. Scottish castle, so I mean, she she's she's sort of used to the good life, if you will. Who among us didn't grow up in a Scottish <laughs> I mean, castle? God. Okay. Obviously, I did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hard to keep up with all the different stuff you've been into lately. So. Um, but you are from Pennsylvania. I am from Pennsylvania. Uh, and you just got back, got, and there's this big special election. That is my home district, and it Whoa. is, and it, you know, it, so it's Republican Rick Saccone and uh, Democrat Connor Lamb. And now it's, this is a special election, right? For Tim Murphy's seat. Okay. And remember, Tim Murphy had um, been uh, having an affair with one of his aides, and she gave. A publication text message in, in which he encouraged her to get an abortion if she had become pregnant. That's right. Yeah. So uh, Murphy was out, and also, I mean, there's a lot of tales, and even people that I, I knew that worked at the office. Well, I was like, why didn't you tell me that this was happening to you, like in real time? But you know, it, the whole thing was a mess. Very it sounded like there was an aide that was particularly abusive to sort of lower level staffers. So Murphy's out. Uh, next month is the special election. And you've got uh, Connor Lamb, who is uh, around my age in his 30s, um, you know, military veteran, young up-and-comer against Rick Saccone, who had been a, a PA House rep uh, for a good amount of time. And So Saccone's a Republican? Saccone's the Republican. Is it a Republican district? So here's the thing about the district. There's actually more registered Democratic voters, but it has been reliably red. For as long as I can remember, we actually were Jerry. My hometown was was Murtha's district, so it was a Democratic district that got gerrymandered, and now it's we're so it's in, a possible in a Democratic district. pickup. It could be a Democratic pickup, but I mean the Republicans are playing hardball, and you know Trump is going back to Pennsylvania next week. Ivanka Trump yeah. and uh, the Republican candidate appeared together outside of Pittsburgh a couple of days ago. Vice President Pence. So the Republicans are throwing. A lot of well, stuff. They don't, they don't want to lose a congressional wanna, seat. Of I mean, course not. You know, be, it's going to be close. This blue wave has been sweeping the country, and they they want to hold the line somewhere, right? And, and it's going to be embarrassing if they if they absolutely. lose it. Yeah. Because it had been such a reliably red district, and it would be you know a pretty big bellwether of you know of right. of what's to come in well, November. But so the Democrats, his name is Connor Lamb. And so you can imagine what the attack ads are, like, oh, little lamb, you know. Uh-huh. So it's 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 been pretty rough. Um, I think Joe Biden is eventually going to go in and help Connor Lamb. But the one thing that I, I, I sort of wonder is why they don't deploy Bernie Sanders. Because whenever I went home after the election and talked to voters in my hometown, 
a lot of them voted for Trump but loved Bernie. It was that weird sort of outsider thing that people in that area really like. And well, it, I'll have to check with uh, our revolution, the great or Bernie organization, to see um, whether they're supporting Connor Lamb. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know I either. But that was uh, that was one uh, of the things they, that I. If they are, and if I don't know, I I, I don't know this district uh, at all, and I haven't done the research, so. I don't know where Connor Lamb stands, whether he's a Bernie bro, you know, progressive Democrat or whether he's more an establishment Democrat. But I'll tell you one thing. If our revolution is supporting him uh, and they're very effective. Yeah. And if he wants Bernie to campaign, Bernie will be there. Bernie is uh, he is everywhere supporting candidates. Uh, which which I've seen, country. which I've Regret. seen. Yeah, he's right. he's paid no. a lot more attention to down ticket races Absolutely. now no. than he, he Mayors, had in 2016. State legislatures, yeah, members of Congress. So he, but or, it's such a curious thing in that area of Pennsylvania where you so, know you've got these hardcore Republicans, but at the same time, they're not necessarily Republicans who fully agree with the ideology. I think that people like Trump in that area too, well, because he was he was this outsider. He would shake things up. And I think that somebody like Lamb would be smarter sort of getting someone like Bernie. I think Biden is smart, too, because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, he he definitely uh, is sort of beloved in all parts of Pennsylvania because it's kind of his, like, second home state. Sure. But I, I think that he would be smart to get, like, Sanders involved. Right. Uh, so there have been – this is a congressional, but we've been talking about there have been 36 state legislative seats that were, like this district, red – that have been flipped to blue since Donald Trump, by, by Democrats, flipped red to blue since Donald, 36 of them since Donald Trump uh, took office. So this could be maybe the first congressional district that's flipped from uh, from red to blue. But you mentioned Bernie. Um, he is out on the stump, and he's going back to... He's going to Iowa. This weekend? What does yeah. that mean, Bill? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you well, would know Bill, more than me. Bill, tell me. Tell checked, me. Uh, what, is, uh, what are his 2020 well, plans? would know, it's yeah. you. Uh, there's no doubt that Bernie's going to run. Yeah, in my I mean that's that's what I insinuated yeah. in my piece that right. I that I thought that he would definitely he would definitely run. I mean he's been to Iowa three times since last summer, so that indicates that he's uh, mm-hmm. working on some stuff. Right. There's a reason that politicians go to Iowa, and it's not to pick corn. Right. Right. Yeah. Or or enjoy Des Moines. Des Moines is a great city. <laughs> it's a great steakhouse in Des Moines. There's a great no. burger joint that I that I remember really enjoying in <laughs> Des Moines. Uh, another politician or another uh, candidate we were going to hear from yesterday, uh, he delayed his announcement. Uh, but there is no doubt Mitt is coming back. Mitt is coming back. He's going to run uh, for Orrin Hatch's seat in Utah. Obviously, Hatch is retiring, much to the chagrin of Donald Trump, who would encourage Hatch to stay in the Senate because he basically knew that if Hatch retired, that Romney would potentially be a would probably likely be a shoe in in that state. And so actually, so the announcement was going to be today. He was going to do something sort of low key on social media. And then he's a keynote at one of these sort of Lincoln Day celebrations um, tomorrow. So it's yet to be seen if if that still goes on. I would assume so. But Mm -hmm. out of out of respect for, you know, the victims of this mass shooting, Romney didn't want to be like, and by the way, I'm running for Senate. Yeah. Which was, you know, which was smart. Um, But, you know, I mean. What's going to be interesting is how Romney is going to handle his relations with Donald Trump, because yet to d- even today, the speech that he gave blasting Donald Trump during the primary. Phony and a fraud. 
Yeah, exactly. Like that's, it's the toughest language that anybody had used against Trump. And it Donald was Trump. absolutely unprecedented. I mean, you had the, the party's so- nominee from the last cycle being like, and what was so weird about it, too, if you recall, is that there were still a couple of other people in the race. Rubio was still mm-hmm. in, yeah. Kasich, Cruz. And he was like, vote for Kasich in Ohio and vote for Rubio in Florida. So he wouldn't actually endorse but he just was like, please, like, just find somebody else, anybody but anybody Trump. but this anybody guy. but you know this guy because he's gonna make you know make the world unsafe. He he's he's nuts basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so your beat is well all over the place too, but including Congress. Um, this is the week. This is Immigration Week. This is the week we're going to pass an immigration bill through the Senate, through the House, and the President's going to sign it. What's going on? Uh, well, there's there's several different deals percolating, but I don't. Uh, I, uh, I honestly, well, I, I don't know if they're gonna get it done. I mean, I know that McConnell wants to vote by the end of the week, but we'll see. Because everything, I mean, by the way, it doesn't seem that he's doing anything to help them get a vote by the end of the week. Yeah, McConnell. Trump or McConnell? McConnell. I think, or I think, Trump. I think I think they both are sort of like let's 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 see yeah. where the chips lie. But I mean, this but this has been all. Been the case, the whole. I actually, I, I will admit, I haven't been fully engaged in you know DACA negotiations this week because of everything else. But you know, you'll get this sort of bipartisan coupling of you know Graham and whomever, or what you know, the whole time. And every time they've sort of etched out something, Trump has been like, "Yeah, not strong enough, not not good enough for me." So the Senate could get to a place where they they found a deal where sixty people would come along, but there's no guarantee that the president will sign it. And that's been that's been the issue for weeks. And obviously, March fifth is the deadline for for the DACA kids. So there's also no guarantee that the House would pass it. Yeah, and that's the other thing too, because you've got the Freedom Caucus that you know tends to blow things up. So uh, it's gonna be yeah. a, it's gonna be fun to watch. <laughs> I don't know how you keep up with it all, but uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, keep uh, stay tuned for uh, Stormy Daniels. I guess that's the yeah. That's uh, that may get them off the Rob Porter scandal a little bit at the White House. Give them a little break from. I know. Well, we were, we, you know, both were going to come up t- at the press briefing yesterday, and <laughs> yeah. we didn't have one. Maybe so. today, Nikki. We'll count on you to raise those issues. Thanks so much for coming in. <laughs> Thank the you, The Great Bill. Daily Mail, dailymail.com. Have a great day, folks. Come back and see us tomorrow right here. We'll be looking for you. This is The Bill Press Show. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.